Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with his good friend Dion from Dion Talk. How you doing, buddy? Howdy. Doing great. I'm excited for this topic because I, uh, I watch all your stuff. And I, I am always hesitant to disagree, but there are some things we do disagree on. Like, yeah, I uh, I think I think disagreement is fun. I think healthy debate is fun. Uh, name calling is not okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's get into it. So what we're going to talk about is the affordability index. Let me just kind of tee it up for us, uh, so you can show me where the errors of my way are. If you've read my book One Rental at a Time, you know that the affordability index introduced to me by Bruce Norris sometime in two thousand five or six saved Olivia and I. We had eight single-family homes in California, specifically Fresno, California, and uh, basically Fresno's affordability was at an all-time low. What this means is it's very risky to buy, and it's much better to sell. After validating that data, we sold we sold every house. We 1031 into apartments. It saved our bacon. Uh, I've been looking at the affordability index every quarter since 2005. And here recently, because rates have gone up, affordability has crashed. Uh, you have some thoughts about affordability that, that um, we should dig into. So I, I really like that you were able to use data to pivot and you you were able to literally see, okay, these houses are, are, are not overpriced, but I'm going to get the most value out of them right now if I sell. And then you moved. So over the period of time, you've been absolutely successful. I watch all of your stuff. I'm trying to emulate the things that work for me. Mm-hmm. which wasn't cash out refinance, wasn't HELOC, wasn't sell to 1031, right? So everything you did wouldn't work for me. Everything I do wouldn't work for everyone else, right? So mm-hmm. I actually like watching several different um, content um, sources and then taking the best that would apply to me. So your information on affordability index might apply to somebody else and be the metric to use. I look at it here's why I don't want it to be the 100% decision maker. Mm. And I don't think you're saying to do that either. I think you're saying here, here's the way you look at it to now look at your assets, maybe through a different lens. Sure. Before 2020, the affordability index was a lot more accurate because people would in an area make money from the plants, from the base, from the port, mm. from the economic drivers that were there. So you could look at 2019 data, data, in 2020 and think, okay, our affordability index is adjusting this way. Correct. In 2021 and 2022, remote work is such a part of the equation mm. that the, the current affordability index based on last year's data, I think has adjusted too much to say, because it's so hard to afford a place, it's the right time to sell or the right time to buy or the right time to any, any decision. I think you look at all of the other things like mm. population growth, uh, what's the cash flow there? So in an area here, three bedroom apartments were renting for 1800. Um, the pay increase was around 5% generally for the state of Washington. Those three bedrooms are now renting for 25 to 2600. Oh my goodness. 24 to 26. Wow. With a very little pay increase because you don't have to live in Seattle anymore. Mm-hmm. You can come down 
hour, two hours south, go in once a week to work, but work remotely. And if you're paying $2,600 for a place in Tacoma or Olympia instead of three or 4000 for a place in Seattle, you're saving half the money with this remote work. That doesn't mean you're moving to Arkansas from Maine. You're moving two, three, four hours out from the biggest municipal city around you because you only have to go in once or twice a week. Mm. So the affordability index on a more local scale is th- it's out of whack right now. I think it will be for about two years until the remote work stabilizes because there's a couple of things going on. When remote work became an option, people said, I don't have to stay in San Francisco. I don't have to stay in Los Angeles. I don't have to stay in New York. I can go out, you know, draw this concentric ring out to the part that where the balance of money to distance makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to buy because what if, you know, Pinterest said, here's 20 grand, go somewhere else. We're going to pay $89 million, break our lease. Tesla said a year later, come back to work or you're fired. So people didn't want to buy, they were renting. So rents went up, but now we're reaching stability where a lot of companies, state positions, county positions are saying, yep, we're going to keep you as a permanent remote position. That renter now becomes buyer, which again, is going to increase property value because of demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be there's a there's a delay with tax season to get the current affordability index yeah. on an area because that's, people are working so remotely. That's very interesting because the reason the affordability index is powerful to me is there are three variables and they can all go up or down independently, which makes it a very powerful but also potentially confusing metric, right? Price, rate, wage. And what you've identified is perhaps the most misunderstood variable wages because every YouTuber on the planet talks price. A couple of them talk rate. None of them talk wages. What you've just done with wages is help solve something that's been bothering. And I'll talk about the lumberjack, somebody both you and I know. He and I did a deep dive on New Hampshire real estate like four weeks ago. And his affordability is an all-time low. Like, crazy low that doesn't make sense but still being bought but still exactly Exactly. but still being bought right mathematically affordability doesn't make sense but still being bought still crazy low days on market still over asking it's it's i actually i think said in the video it's the most unhealthy market i've ever seen but now what you've just highlighted is the reason why he lives in a non-tax state tax state new hampshire He has Massachusetts a couple of minutes away. He has New York a couple of minutes away. And what's happening in his areas, he's getting people with bags full of money who have income in these other high income areas like Boston and New York coming to live in his backyard because of remote work. I think you're right. I think you're a genius. There's two things. It's so the remote work is is a huge factor, but the second thing is the great resignation. Exactly. A lot of people are not just changing jobs because instead of this five percent increase, I'm going to see ten to twenty percent, sometimes more, right? Yeah. Also, you have the negotiation of saying, "Hey, I work for convoy trucking in in um, billing, but they make me come to the office. I'm going to come over here to Werner and work in billing, but only if you let me do it remotely." So now. Even if they didn't get the pay increase, maybe they got they, they negotiated the terms of being able to work remotely. So changing jobs, companies with the option, we're going to see more of that. Yeah, I and think so. 
it doesn't mean you don't want to use affordability index because it still tracks a bunch of the data that you want. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take a couple of years to balance out as this remote work becomes stabilized. We're still yeah. looking at the other metrics. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So as an investor, price, rates, rents, rents set by wages, remote work. So my friend that just closed, uh, she just signed a lease yesterday on a duplex place to tenant in a three bedroom. Um, Got the rent she was looking for by somebody who has a job in Texas, but moved to Washington and still has the job in Texas. So they're making the money from wherever they came here, mm. uh, able to pay rent that that would be significantly more from where they were moving to where she, they're moving into here. Right. They're getting a deal and she's getting this massive rent increase that the area is seeing because of remote work. Yeah. yeah so I think what you as an investor will do, and I need to take a look at this specifically is I think in every state, there are cities that are just cheaper to live. I happen to be investing in Fresno, California, which is the one of the cheapest places in California. I think the Inland Empire and the high desert are cheaper, but not by much. But yeah, I can tell you, I haven't looked recently, but there were a lot of Silicon Valley people and LA folks moving to the Central Valley. It's cheaper, like noticeably cheaper. So that's very interesting. We we have to figure out, maybe look at U-Haul rates or something. Because you're right, right? Fresno, again, I have the affordability index. It's funny. I looked at it this morning. I'll just bring it up since we're talking about it. This is the affordability index as of Q2 2022. So for California, it's a 16. The US is a 38. These are on a scale of one to 100. And Fresno is a 31, right? For me... You know, back and again, just so people realize this goes back in time. Oops, here we go. It goes back in time. You can see where Fresno's low was 2005 was a 17. The U.S. low was a 10. California low was 11, right? L.A. was a 9. Sacramento was a 19. So, I, I, you know, San Diego was a 8. Dude, Santa Barbara was a 6. Crazy times. So, again, the other thing to take into this is... um affordability is down, but it's not record lows, right? Because the U.S. was an 11 here. It's a 38. Fresno was a, I forget, a 19. It's a 31. But I think that's very interesting because a lot of people, California has lost population, I think two years in a row, might be three. It's one of the, it's the most expensive state. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a migration pattern going on. So I, I think you're right. I, I think, and you're absolutely right. Wages the W-2 is the, it's a lagging indicator. It's a year behind. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's very well done. I, I had not thought about that. Yeah. So uh, again, I don't come on here to disagree. Yeah. I, I'm glad that sometimes we see things differently. You've opened my eyes up to a ton of things. You may, I, I, I say it often. I say, thank you. In 2020, I was watching prices go up and I was like, yep, I'm going to sit back like every other person is saying and just wait. And you talked about interest rates. So I looked at interest rates and I was like, wow, this price is up 20%. My yield is better. My payment is less. Interest rates are half what they were a year ago. So I wasn't watching all of the metrics. So so again, thank you for the work you do. I, I watch your daily update every day. It, it, it's the information that matters to an investor. It awesome. really is. Yeah. Um, no, but you, this is, uh, this. I mean, the affordability index is my, it's my stoplight indicator, green. It's usually green. Right. If you go again, if you're in California, you're really lucky. It goes all the way back to 1981. It was monthly. Now it's quarterly for my market of Fresno, California. It's been above 40, which is really healthy 
like 90% of the time, maybe 85% of the time. Then 5% it's yellow light and then 10% screen. It's getting, 30 is a yellow light and we're at 31 right now. But I, but you're right. Maybe it's not as bad as I think it is because if Fresno, like just for example, if Fresno is adding, pick a number, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, thousand six figure earners, that's going to adjust the ratio next year. And I think that's happening, right? I think there's a bunch of tech workers who are like, hey, I don't got to work in the city for, you know, it's crazy. San Francisco, you rent a studio apartment for like 3,500. You can have a house in the lake in Fresno. For thirty five hundred a month, it's wild to think about. So, thank yeah, you. It's for funny this. that you mentioned the high desert. That's where my brother has about a third of his portfolio. He's oh, most of his are in Washington, but he's got there. He's up in the by Edwards Air Force Base, mm-hmm. uh, the high desert there. And we were talking. He doesn't understand. He doesn't have a lot of tenant turnover. He he runs his kind of like mine. All of his strategies are for tenant retention. But the rents next to him have just doubled. And he's like, nothing's changed in the city. The population is the same. There's no new businesses. I don't understand. So I was kind of having the conversation with him saying, right, but LA is an hour away, right? So how many people are going down there once a week now that wouldn't do it if they had to go down five times a week? Yeah. Um, So he's in a situation where tenant turnover might be the best thing for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to go from a thousand to 2000, you'll, you'll clean up a unit for that. No problem. So that's my video that I'm going to make for Thursday now. (laughs) When tenant turnover is good. There you go. Well, Dion, do me a favor. Where can people find you where you can put out these little pearls of wisdom that I uh, that I missed? It was nice job. Right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Ciao.